You're listening to another life-transforming message from C3 Church, Salt Lake City. For more information on our church, go to c3saltlakecity.com. Come on, let's give it up to Jesus this morning. God, we thank you for what you're about to do in this house, in this theater, in this place of worship, God. Lord, we know that you know the hearts of your daughters, of your sons. Lord, you know that your heart breaks because their hearts break for something, Lord. But God, I just claim a supernatural healing in this place over mind, body, and spirit that we walk out of here whole, complete, anointed, and called to be a blessing and the light to Salt Lake City where there needs to be a light. God, I thank you for the world shakers. The ones that woke up this morning said, I got to get to church. I got to get to the house of the Lord. I thank you, Lord, that they stirred themselves to get here. And God, I ask, Lord, that you deposit something in them that shakes them forever. God, I thank you for transformation this morning in your holy, majestic, mighty name. Everybody said, amen. Come on. Thank you for the warm welcome to Salt Lake City. Oh, my goodness. For my anniversary, I got this iPad. And I downloaded an app. And it sucks. So I'm going half. Going to be relevant, cool. Come on, Face ID. Can't even get the Face ID to work. Come on, I'm staring at you. Only the devil. Oh, look at this. Boom. We'll see how long this lasts, just in case I got old school. But let me tell you, it's an honor to be here, and I'm glad my wife confessed. I, babe, I'm so proud of you. I feel like we had a moment. You came here, you just confessed. I mean, I wanted to come like week two. Couldn't trump Pastor Jurgen, but I'm like, week two, I'm in. Nope. Week three? Nope. Had to wait a year plus to get here. I'm glad we're here. And baby, thank you. Just took a little Park City bribery. But oh my goodness, it snowed up there. And you're right. My wife was, uh, I'm like, babe, have you never seen, you're out of control. I am not going out there and taking another picture. I mean, give me, it's snow. I grew up in this. But, um. I know Jesus loves me because he sent the interns to come when I'm preaching. So I feel like I'm at home already. And this isn't all the interns. This is the second year interns, which means, for those of you that don't know, we have one of the most incredible internship programs, I think, in the country, maybe in the world. Why I want to tell you that is for, for someone to do a one-year internship, I get it because you don't know what you're getting into. To do a second-year internship, I mean, but let me tell you, you can't do it without being totally transformed, and I got to give props to every intern that wanted to come up here, spend a couple days. They've been here since Friday in your beautiful city, not just coming to hang out, but they've actually been out there street witnessing, loving people, just doing the things, coming here early. I didn't even know. I drove by early. Like, I was on my way to Starbucks. I'm like, that girl looks so familiar. So I'm like, babe, I, I got a doppelganger picture. Come on, let's get this picture. I want to send this. Uh, a doppelganger. That's like your twin. Why are you guys all looking at me? All crazy. 
Yeah, but then my wife's like, uh, no, the second year interns are here. I'm like, Jesus loves me. That's epic. So as my wife was saying, I've been around since day zero, actually negative, I think, 75 days, uh, meaning I met Pastor Jurgen before the church started. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah. And at that time, just to give you a little recap so you feel better about your safe, uh, yourself and you feel maybe a little bit more grace towards me, a couple things. Um, one, I didn't like Christians at the time, and I definitely didn't like pastors. Now you know God has a sense of humor. So I didn't come up here. Some of you, um, it was cool to see Tiger up here praying. It's part of my Carlsbad with my wife and I. We get to and have the honor and the privilege to be the campus pastors for our Carlsbad location. Uh, we've been there for just over two years. It's been an epic ride. Um, and, and I didn't, I, I want to let you know, they're used to me preaching. So when I come out fierce, they can handle it. So if you get offended today, I just want to let you know, Pastor Vince and Becca will clean it up. So please come back. Because I, I only preach one way. And it's called drinking out of a fire hose. I promised myself, God, you did this to me. You know I can't turn it down. And I'm not going to ever preach a gospel I don't live. So the reason I didn't like most Christians is because I was that Christian that grew up in an amazing Christian family. And I, I, mean, I love my mom and dad. She probably grieves every podcast she hears of me, but... You know, it's, it's because I just, I'm authentic and I'm going to reel and I don't pull punches. And what you see is what you get. I'll be the same tomorrow on Monday as I am Tuesday at Men's Prayers. I am Wednesday in my office as I am Thursday at my uh, restaurant. As I am Friday with my kids. As I am Saturday with my wife. As I am Sunday in the pulpit, I'm not going to change. I'm not going to dilute it. I'm not going to pretend I'm one way and not the other. And the reason is I don't want any of us because I'm now a shepherd over a flock to live two lives. I don't want to be Christianese. I don't want to wear a mask on Sunday and live a different way on Monday. So I tell you that because that's how C3 is. I met a pastor who I did not believe what I was hearing come out of his mouth. In a good way. I was just hearing how full on he loves people and loves life. And so I actually only went to the church uh, to judge him, and then to prove my theory was correct. <laughs> and I left every Sunday offended and mostly in tears. And then I'd go to the prayer meeting on Wednesdays at his house, definitely offended. But I saw something I've never seen before, a man that walked with a power, an authority, and living out what I heard the gospel when I would read the gospel. So yeah, I knew theology. I went to a good Christian college. Uh, and I, I know you're probably gone, oh, that's so cool. No, I only went there because my parents said, if you go there one year, we'll pay for you to go college anywhere. I'm not an idiot. I'm like, that's a lot of money. <laughs> of course, I'll sacrifice my life for one year, and then I am definitely going to some party school, buy myself a wife up in there, and my parents are going to pay for it. <laughs> but I ended up staying all four years. And then I went to, and you still think that's good. No, I only stayed because it was a four-to-one ratio, boys to girls. And fast forward, uh, I was still a mess on legs and lost until I came to San Diego and met Pastor Jurgen. 
And not only in this house was I completely healed, restored, my life was transformed, and I decided I'll, I'll probably go to church twice on a Sunday. I know that, okay, some of you don't get that. I, barely, I only went to church once on a Sunday because I know by one my mom would call, and I did honor my mom and dad, so I went to honor them. And then Facebook came out, thank goodness, uh, because that saved a lot of phone calls. I could just check in on Facebook. <laughs> but to go twice, one to soak, one to serve, was an anomaly. And then when we started having three services and four services, all I could figure out what I wanted to do is serve in the house of God on a Sunday. When I started seeing my friends get saved, a lot of my patients getting saved, a lot of radical miracles, healing signs of wonders, I actually believed Man, I got to go all in on this because I just was living a gospel that made sense to me, but not the truth. So when I went all in, I got to see the revelation of what power, authority, what really means to be fresh, real, and powerful. Not only on Sundays, but I could see my friends get healed on Monday. See my friends get restored on Tuesday. See marriages come back together on Wednesday. Break off some ugly stuff on Thursday. Watch addictions be broken. Watch anxiety get smashed. Watch depression get lifted. All the things that I just thought were good in theory, maybe I should pray more, I got to see in reality. And so I'm just going to preach short and pray for you because really there's a city to be one up here. This is a beautiful city. And when I landed in this city, I knew immediately that there, there, God was doing something to shake this city. And I, and I want to tell you, man, I, I got off the plane, and uh, we got on Turo and, and uh, you know, rented ourselves a Jeep. And I met this, come on, where is he at? Adam right here? Stand up, Adam. Come on, Adam. Stand up. This is Adam. And you know what I love about Adam, man? I got out, and he had this hat on. You know, he is greater than I hat. You know those? He had that hat on. I go, oh, only God would send me a guy bold enough to wear that hat. Of course I'm going to talk to him. I was going to talk to him anyways, but the most generous, uh, incredible man, and he was just renting me his Jeep for the weekend. Then I found out he was a financial planner that just said, I'm done with that. Bought 24 cars and just rents them all the time, just hangs out, meets amazing people. And immediately God showed me that he has a heart for people, and he has a heart for this city. And then he's the one, I didn't even have to go there. He was like pre-jumping the gun saying, I don't know, my wife or something found out I was going to preach. He goes, I'm going to come on Sunday. I mean, you heard your friends tell you that they're going to come on Sunday, but then how many really show up? I'm telling you, and Adam, whether you're used to this or not, probably not, but there is such thing as a prophetic gift, and right when I got off that plane and walked out, I saw God highlighting you, and I'll try not to get choked up, but see, when you understand the prophetic gift is in every one of us, and when we get it unlocked, we got to start prophesying to those that we meet. When God highlights you or stirs someone in your sphere of influence, and you hold back a word, I don't know what's any more grievance to the Lord. But right when I got off and I saw that hat, I knew God was highlighting you in a moment. And the word for you is that not only did he reveal in that moment that you have a heart for people, that he is healing that heart, that he's putting a hedge of protection around you, what in anything that the enemy has taken from you, you are getting restored, blessed. And even for you to show up in this house, I'm telling you, there is favor on your life that maybe you know, maybe you don't know, but God has highlighted you for a reason. You love his people because he loves his people. 
but you're going to have an open door. God's going to bring increase to you. He's going to bring healing to you. He's going to put, he just wants you to know that he loves you. That he has a purpose and a plan for you. And sometimes even when we walk through a valley, I just feel like no matter what you're walking through, God's on the other side and you can trust him. He's a good, good father. And you're about to see his blessing more than you ever thought possible. So I'm so glad that he came this morning. Because I was going to give you that word at the airport. It's just nice. You're getting it right here. So a couple things that I want to just talk about to bring a little reality to your life is sometimes you can be like me and wake up and go to church. Uh, back in the day, that's what I did. I wake up and go to church. But I want to let you know, when you come to church, this is a war room. This is where you get re-armored up, you get re-equipped, you get re-dipped, you get refreshed. This is like a control-delete-reboot on a computer. This is like a defrag every Sunday. See, I need it on Sundays. I needed it Tuesday morning prayer, and then I need it on my daily devotion when I walk because I've realized that I keep wanting to walk, and I know that God's going to introduce me to people every single day, and I want a fresh word. I want new wine every day. See, in the beginning, I was just good with going to church, and if I got wine that day, I'd share the new wine with those people I met, but then Monday, I'd be, I'd be thirsty again, and I was going to tell you that when I got baptized in the Holy Ghost, when I got baptized in the Holy Spirit. See, I grew up in church my whole life, never even heard that. Matter of fact, walking with that sort of power, Holy Spirit power, uh, my grandpa was a pastor. He actually was a Lutheran Baptist pastor. How that came together, I'm not sure. But he could preach the gospel. But he cared so much about preaching, he lost his own family, got divorced. Then I saw my uncle get divorced. I saw my other uncle get divorced. I saw my parents, after 32 years of marriage, get divorced. See, we didn't know the authority that we walked in. None of us were spirit-filled. And then I met Pastor Jurgen in C3. I met my wife a couple weeks later and on a flight to Vegas, and I'm thinking to myself, she's either the devil trying to tempt me, or I'm going to marry that girl. So I just said, hey, you look dangerous, but I'd love to take you out. You want to go to church on Sunday? She said yes. She got saved on her first Sunday. Gave her life to Christ on her first Sunday, and the rest is history. So, we don't do religion well, but we do Jesus well. We're believers. We believe in Jesus, and we want to live and be the light that we're called to live. And I'm going to read a couple scriptures today to have a revelation about what I'm talking about. Because sometimes we can go to church because it's the right religious box to tick. It makes us feel good in our subconscious and sometimes even in our conscious that we went to church on Sunday. But God didn't bring you all this far just to check a box of church on Sunday. Like Vince, you were saying, this is about church starts Monday. And I can't tell you how true that is. There should be and better be a tangible difference if you really Believe and know Jesus. See, I knew, oh, knock it off. I knew of Jesus, but I didn't know Jesus. I was 18 inches from a revelation of what my life could walk in and be like, but I didn't know that. See, the enemy does come to deceive us. He does come to wound us. He does come to give us filters. We'll get close, but can we really trust God? 
And see, when I was, I wanted to really know this city. Because when I fight for anything, I want to know what I'm fighting for. You live here. I want you to know why you need to fight, not only for your life first, for victory, for abundance, for blessing, for prosperity, the P word. Oh, it's silent in here. Okay, now we're going to have to do it. If we have my confession of faith, wasn't sure if I was going to do it. We're going to do it now. This is what I do at my campus every, whoa. I can't even go back to my campus now. That looks so epic. Okay, everybody stand up. Now, if you don't believe what you're about to read, it's called the Declaration of Faith. A declaration is what you need to do every morning when you wake up in the morning and start declaring things over your life. That I am called to win a city. That I am called to be prosperous. That I am the head and not the tail. That I am above and not beneath. These are the things called declarations until you're living them and then it's a confession. So no matter where you're at, you can say it. Whether you believe it or not, it doesn't matter. You can say a thing until you do believe it. How do I know? I've been there. I've done this in every one of my businesses. That's how I take territory. That's how I took my house that we're blessed in. Everything that I have is because I started declaring a thing. See, even when Pastor Vince was talking about that mountain, you might not believe it, but you better declare it. If not, then what's the point of this? And then one day when you take, you see that mountain be removed, guess what? You start confessing. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I want more of those mountains moved in my life. So I want us to read this out together as one house. Ready? Today, I declare victory. I speak victory over myself, my family, my future. The greatest days are ahead of me. I walk in your favor today, tomorrow, and forever. This year, all I do is win. In the Jesus' mighty name, amen. Come on, give it up for yourselves. I feel better already. It's amazing how many people have a hard time saying, all I do is win. See, when I go to seminars, I hear people stand up and say that all the time. They're in the world, and my Bible says the wealth of the sinner is built up for the righteous. I know that I'm righteous, and I declare righteousness. It says sow into righteousness, so when I meet someone that's righteous, I want to sow into righteousness because it will bake, break up the fallow ground in my life. That's Hosea uh, 10, 12. And so it's just knowing that so into, if you want more righteousness, sow into righteousness. If you want to break up some stuff where you felt like, man, there's no fruit growing in my life, just sow into things that you see other people with fruit in their life. Meaning, what does that mean? If you're going to take anybody to lunch, I want to find the people of the fruit I want to hang out with during that lunch, and I want to bless them. I want to buy that coffee. I want to buy that meal. I want to do whatever it takes to bless them because I'm going to sow into that righteousness. It's a biblical principle. So, so the journey that I want you to understand is, and I live my life by this now, is uh, 2 Timothy 1.7. And I think it's super important to understand that there's a couple anchor verses for me. But one, when I started this journey was, for God did not give me a spirit of fear, but one of power, which I never saw power. So I want to walk in power and love, because I grew up around a bunch of judgmental Christians. I don't want to be that judgmental Christian. I want to love people no matter where they're at yep. and of a sound mind. It's a New King James Version, but I love the NLT version. It says, and self-discipline. 
And it was amazing, just 26 days ago, I just felt like, man, I popped a button off my shirt. And here I wanted to be healthy, and yet I've let part of my anchor verse go to town on me. Where's my self-discipline? I didn't know. Maybe I had a chips and salsa addiction living in San Diego. Maybe I was taking communion too often. But I realized I need to get self-disciplined, and in 26 days I've lost 16 pounds because I decided to get self-disciplined because I didn't want to live part of that verse with power and love, what, what happened to my self-discipline? Right. Right. I want to I live the full gospel, not the part that sounds good. That's good. The self-discipline, how many know you can get a little uncomfortable? Yes. How many know I really wanted some certain meals this weekend up in Park City? Yes. But I had a self-discipline, which gives clarity and a sound mind, and you walk in greater power and authority. What are we willing to do on this Sunday? So I want to give you back to your city real quick. Crime is 225% higher than the national average in Salt Lake City. Wow. Yep. There's 84 churches, non-denominational, Christian, they call themselves, in, in Salt Lake City. There's 12 Catholic churches. I'm not sure what's included in the LDS part of it, but the population of, of, of Salt Lake immediate is 200,000. Okay. Of the metropolitan areas all surrounding Salt Lake City, it's 1.2 million. There are over 628 suicides per year in this city. It's the fifth highest in the United States of America. It's the leading cause of death between ages 10 and 24. Why are 10-year-olds taking their life? I love it. Of all the things you could be known for, I just want to know, if I Google it, what is, what is Salt Lake City known for? The highest consumption rate of Jell-O in America. Yes. <laughs> the second thing that came up on the search engine was the first KFC ever started here. You're also known as the, gay, the gayest city in America. Wow. You're also known to have more plastic surgeons per capita than any other city in the United States. <laughs> See, these are the things that you're known for. Yeah. Yeah. What do you want to be known for? Good. See, Good. Yeah. that would be, just so you know how I roll, that would be printed on my mirror yeah. every day. And I would declare some things that I want to be seen over this city. Yes. I'd want to see that there was a church that was really believing in the word of God that said, I want to be the light of the world. And they started to light people up so that they wouldn't have to find a way to a gravesite way early. Yes. I want to see the suicide rate changed in this city. I want to see the statistic rate of, I don't really care about jello consumption but can't we be known for something else like that city's on fire for god there's a revival in that city there's people that said not on my watch devil that were willing to get up and fight for a city that they love why we live in a city if you don't love it i mean it is absolutely gorgeous with amazing people and i've only been here two days but are we willing to fight my wife and i spoiled ourselves and got a little pedicure and I just sat there and my heart broke for the girl giving the pedicure she went and got her hair done and 
her heart broke for the girl that was, both of them had been dating their boyfriends for seven, eight, nine years. No end in sight. I'm thinking to myself, we're the, we're the man cards up in this house. These women were beautiful with huge hearts. We're the men that were going to honor them, take care of them, and they were broken. Then we went to dinner at this amazing dinner place, and, you know, the river horse, and our server was beautiful and, and nice, and, but didn't know what she was going to do with her life. See, there's got to be a church that's willing to make a stand and fight for a city. See, that's what we've done in San Diego. We have four locations, about to be six, in San Diego alone because my pastor had a vision. We're going to surround the city, and we're going to fight for a city. We have prayer meetings at 530 in the morning where I have 120 to 130 men show up to go to war at 530 in the morning for a city. But we're fighting for our families. We're fighting. There's an enemy that comes to cause confusion, to wreak havoc in marriages. Just another statistic. But there's got to be somebody that's willing to fight with some power and authority to take back a city. So my foundational teaching is out of uh, 2 Kings 4. And I'm just gonna i going to read it real quick just so you can understand it. Because I think there's some truths in here that I really want us to understand. A certain woman of the wives of the sons of the prophets cried out to Elisha saying... Your servant, my husband, is dead. And you know that your servant feared the Lord. And the the creditor is coming to take my two sons to be his slaves. So Elisha said to her, what shall I do for you? Tell me, what do you have in the house? And she said, your maidservant has nothing in the house but a jar of oil. And I just want to tell you, what do you see in your house? What do you got that God can use? Yeah. See, she didn't think she had anything, but all she needed was something. Yep. Yep. My question is, do you have something? Yep. We're just kind of going to unpackage this as we go. And then he said, go borrow vessels from everywhere. From where? Everywhere. Oh, come on, people, wake up. <laughs> from where? Everywhere. Okay, come on, from everywhere. Yeah. Not just next door, not just from 7-Eleven. Not just from Barnes and Noble, whatever they had back then. From all. Everybody say all. All All your neighbors. Empty vessels. Do not gather just a few. And when you have, come in. You shall shut the door behind you and your sons. Then pour it into these vessels and set aside the full ones. She went from him and shut the door behind her and her sons who brought the vessels to her. So guess what? She was coachable. There was a prophet amongst them that she listened to, even in her brokenness, even to her heartache, even though she was in her valley, even though she was feeling sorry for herself, all that she had was a little jar of oil. At least she was coachable. She was obedient. She listened to the prophet and did as he said. What I want to tell you, which is my three points that I want you to understand A part of C3 means this. you got to have radical faith, radical trust, and radical power. Otherwise, you will get offended at some point and leave this church. I'm not pulling punches today. I might as well tell you up front. We're not here. We're here to empower 
not disempower you. We're here to unlock legalism, unlock a religious spirit over this city, unlock some strongholds over this city. But I'm going to tell you, it's radical trust, it's radical faith, and radical power. If I had to give you what those mean in our terminology, it's called fresh, real, and powerful. We've never changed those three terms from day one, and I promise you we're not changing them anytime soon. Why do I think it's so important? See, she had to have radical faith just to listen, like, why do I have to go and do what he's telling me to do? Can't you just solve my problems? Why do I got to put in the work? Why do I got to show up? Why do I got to take my boys, you know what an inconvenience this is, and go out and do something? Can't you just fix my problem, prophet of the Lord? We got to believe what we hear. Oh, don't say ouch yet. We haven't even got to the ouch part. Tiger, just help me out if I see But what I want to tell you, though, I came into the house of C3 broken. It took me six months to drop in my first tithe check. She got saved and just wrote a check immediately. And we got married. I didn't really have an option. But I had to have radical faith. See, faith for me was giving something, man. I was a business man. I just wanted to do business. I didn't want this church thing. I didn't want to pass. Okay, fine. For me, when you're asking what's radical faith, that was writing my first tithe check. That was, that was radical for me. I look back now going, wow, God, you took me on a journey. But we're all at different places what radical means. I don't want your radical to be my radical. I'm not Holy Spirit Junior. The Holy Spirit's going to talk to you if we're listening, if we're coachable. He's not on a time frame. Our God is a good, good father. He's going to love us right where you're at and has the grace to take you on a journey as long as you want to take it. My question is, do you want some fruits that the Bible talks about that you should have in your life is how fast you might want to get into alignment with what he's talking about. I I was regretful it took me six months. Because I had some good friends of mine that came in and got into alignment real quick, and I saw the blessing unfold in their life real quick. But how many know that I had some hurts? How many know that I had some wounds? How many know that I had some open wounds that are now scars? But how many know that Jesus has got scars? It's part of his testimony. He showed up to Doubting Thomas, and he goes, let me see those things. And he laid them out. And when he saw the scars, not open wounds, they were healed. When he saw the scars, how many know that Thomas went out and became one of the greatest evangelists of every one of Jesus' disciples? He went from a doubting Thomas to a man that flipped Asia and India upside down. Come on, go do a study on him. It's powerful. I want to finish this awesomeness of having to recode every 10 seconds. So this is what I thought was interesting. Now, it came to pass when the vessels were full that she said to her son, bring me another vessel. How many know she wanted more? And he said to her, "Uh, there's not another vessel. So then the oil ceased. How many know provision would have kept on going, kept on going, kept on going? And I'm going to come back to that point. But then she told the man of God, and he said, go sell all the oil and pay your debt. 
Our God is a God of provision. And you and your sons will live on the rest. He's also a God of abundance. He's given you skills. He's given you talents. He's given you giftings to go out to reap a mighty harvest to advance his kingdom. Not just enough for you to be blessed, but pressed down, shaken together, overflowing so you can bless others. We are called to be a blessing. What I love about this, though, that we really need to understand is the radical trust part, the real part of our church. We're a relational church. See, what I want you to really understand what this woman or her sons is, what if they didn't like their neighbors? How many vessels would she have got? What if her neighbors were Muslim? What if they were gay? What if they were Democratic or Republican? What if she just made a stand that said, I don't want to meet my neighbors and never went outside her doors? How many vessels would she have got? Maybe not even enough to pay her own debt, let alone live on the rest of their life. See, if you're not having relationships, you're missing out on a lot of blessing in your life. That's so good. If she limited, they had to go out. It said, go contact everyone. It says, go borrow vessels from everywhere, from all your neighbors. What if she hated her neighbors? You think they're going to give up some of their vessels? Some of their dishes, some of their stuff. Yeah, how many of those neighbors probably dumped out stuff so she could have more empty ones? How many of her neighbors were probably willing to sacrifice some of the things that she had? But it's amazing. We just want to go to church on a Sunday, maybe not be the invitation to our hurting neighbor that needs a good word of the gospel, the good news of Jesus, that God sent his only son to die on a cross for us. I'm telling you, sometimes we can get just so locked in. It's amazing how many of our neighbors, they think it's crazy. We're like, well, let's just do a wine social for our neighborhood. Kind of upsets the religious people. That's why I don't invite the religious neighbors. I go invite the neighbors I'm trying to reach. They're already going to church, judging me for inviting all the other neighbors so we can open up some wine so I can find out what's going on in their life. But what are we willing to do to meet our neighbors? I See, I don't know what it's like in Salt Lake, but in San Diego, man, it's, it's early up. Everyone's out to work. Kids are playing, but no one's talking. It's amazing how many of our neighbors are shocked at the park when I start talking to them. And I can tell their first thing, is he going to sell me solar? It's kind of a joke, San Diego. But I'm just hanging out going... No, I just, you're my neighbor. I wanted to get to know who my neighbors were. I'm throwing a party this weekend. You want to come? What are you selling? Nothing. It's free. There's going to be some food there. Why would you do that? Because I want to know my neighbors. Not rocket science. But it's amazing. We're living in a world that's so socially dependent on social media. We've become one of the loneliest nations in the world. That's why I love the Hispanic culture. It's amazing. It's amazing. I'm telling you. If I tell one of my patients, it's amazing. I tell one of my white people patients, like, hey, this is it. They go like this. I got a good thing. I'm not going to tell anybody. I don't want anybody to know. I tell one of my Hispanic favors, I'm taking care of their neighborhood, their family, extended families, aunts, cousins. They're driving in from Tijuana. I'm like, what is going on? How big is this family? When they find a good thing, they want to share it with everybody. And it's amazing. It's a culture. So this right here is creating a culture. 
What kind of culture do you want to create? What do you want your church in Salt Lake City to be known for? Are you relational? Do you love people how Jesus loved people? It's such an interesting thing because there's so many things that I can read to you about Salt Lake City. But I want to come back in a year from now and be able to read you something different. That there's connect groups all over this city. That this movie theater cannot contain the move of God that's happening in the city. That we have to start. Like, I need you, because I'm on the executive team down in San Diego. I need you to cause me some problems. You don't want to come to our marriage retreat because you have too many people. You want one in Salt Lake City. You're tired of all the missions being in San Diego. So cause me some mission problems to serve a city that you all live in. Cause me some headaches so I can start to brainstorm with your pastors that love this city and that love you. I'm telling you, if you have a highlight in your spirit, don't let it sit on the shelf. See, the enemy comes to kill, steal, and destroy. He wants you to play small. He doesn't want you to believe in yourself. He doesn't want you to start getting too friendly. Wait, you're going to start doing business together? Is that even biblical? I'm telling you, I have a group of men. All I want to do is do business with those men. I want to take territory. I want to buy buildings. I want to be a king and a priest. I want to be a marketplace giant so I can bless my house. I'm a vol- I want to be a volunteer pastor. I love Rick Warren. Wrote a wrote a book and literally pays himself a dollar on his salary. Donates his whole salary. He lives on ninety. Or sorry, he donates ninety percent of his salary. Lives on ten percent. That's reverse tithing. Some people can't even wrap their head around tithing, yet he's so blessed he's reverse tithing. See, God is outside of anything we could probably comprehend. Let's just start somewhere. See, when you start somewhere, it's just acknowledging I have a little jar. God, can you do something with that? God, I love my church. Where can I serve more? God, I I don't think I'm qualified, but if you're asking me to be a captain from a merge, I will. God, I don't know if I'm qualified, but if you're asking me to be a connect leader, I will. This right here is what it takes that you are in a community because when you're in a community, you'll find blessing. I want to read this verse to you because I think it's so amazing. Hopefully I have this verse. Let me go new school. Because I want you to understand this is, I'm giving you some Old Testament truths this morning. But it's amazing because when we realize that God has given me the greatest, and he's given you the greatest instruction book on how to get financially free. I love financial planners. But if it doesn't line up with the word says, I know I have the greatest financial book ever right in front of me. I test everything against the word. Let me come right here. I want to read this to you. Now, if we're called to be the light of the world, if we're showing up at church, we're putting in the work, I want you to listen and say, is this the fruit of my life that I, that I have? This is what I'm talking, Deuteronomy 28, 1 through 14. Now it shall come to pass, if you diligently obey the voice of the Lord, your God, so we got to trust him, to observe carefully all his commandments, which I've commanded you today, that the Lord your God will set you high above all nations of the earth, that you won't be a statistic that I just read out. And all these blessings shall come upon you and overtake you because you obey the voice of the Lord your God. 
What is God talking to you about today? Where is he going to highlight that the, maybe the enemy has caused a little fear in your life? Hence, I started off with 2 Timothy 1.7. Because, see, I was the guy that had a little bit of fear in his life, and I was playing small. Because I was intim intimidated by the enemy. I didn't know that at the time. But when I realized, why did I make that decision? I made that decision based on fear. Well, God didn't give me a spirit of fear, so where is that coming from? I started taking an inventory on every thought. Hence, I started taking every thought captive. Hence, I gave you a confession of faith that started for me as a declaration. I created these little mind mastery cards only for me, not for anybody else. It turned into a business, but it was only for me because I needed to take every thought captive. But what do I do after that? Well, I needed to renew my mind. What am I going to renew my mind with? Well, the word of God. So God started giving me verses right out of his word, and I started saying and writing declarations. I had 40 declarations about my faith. Then I got 40 declarations about how I am as a man of business. Then I got 40 declarations over who I am as a financial wealth accumulator to bless. So all those turned into these little cards that I would read every day, every day, every day, every day, every day, until guess what? I didn't read them anymore. I was them. I was living out what I wrote down and was declaring over my life. And all these blessings shall come upon you and overtake you because you obey the voice of the Lord. Blessed you shall be in the city of Salt Lake. And blessed you shall be in the country. Blessed shall you be the fruit of your body. If your body's falling apart, why don't you declare a thing? The produce of your ground and the increase of your herds, the increase of your cattle, and the offspring of your flocks. That was back in the day. Now it's whatever you lay your hand to in business, there better be a favor factor over it. I hashtag FOG all the time, favor of God. I don't apologize for it. There's a favor over my life, and I'm not special. He's called you to have a favor in your life. We're called to be the light of the world. What's different about you if you know Jesus as your Savior? But if you're not having the fruit of what Jesus is telling you you should walk in, then we need to recalibrate and come into alignment. Blessed you shall be in the basket of your kneading bowl. Blessed you shall be when you come in and blessed when you go out. The Lord will cause your enemies who rise against you to be defeated before you. He'll make all those haters turn around and one day want to be your friend. You can ask my wife. She had to let go of all her San Diego State friends. She had four. They called the Fab Four. She let them all go. But guess what? God blessed her with plenty of new, amazing friends. And now all those old friends come to her for advice. Because their life just, there was no fruit in their life. Come on, I'm telling you. The Lord will command the blessing on you and your storehouses. And all which you set your hand to. He will bless you in the land which the Lord your God has given you. And as I wrap this plane, he goes on and on and on. The Lord will open to you his good treasure. The heavens. To give you the rain of your land in its season. And to bless all the work of your hand. You shall lend to many nations. You shall not borrow. And the Lord will make you the head and not the tail. You shall be above only and not beneath. If you heed the commandments of the Lord your God. Which I command you today. And are careful to observe them. It goes on to tell you. Don't get caught up in the world. We are called to go out in the world. And grab those that are lost. If you have a friend. And as I wrap this service up, I want you to know that there's a heartbeat for this city. Pastor Jurgen didn't say, oh, let's go find a church in Salt Lake City. God came to him. This was at a divine appointment that this house became a C3. 
There isn't an accident. There's a city that was in San Diego that God called pastors from Australia to sacrifice and lay down everything. They could have started a church and been smoking it in Australia because of their youth ministry, because of their profile. But God sent them where no one knew their name. But he brought armor bearers. He brought people. That service started with around 50 people. I watched that church grow up to about 300 people. And he brought an evangelist in that brought the power of God in. And I watched people get laid out everywhere, delivered, set free. I've never seen a move of God like that in my entire life. And then the next Sunday, there was only 150 people there. And I went to Pastor Jurgen. and I said, oh, my gosh, half the church left. And I'll never forget what he said. It still hits me in my spirit. He says, now I know who I'm going to build this house with. He didn't even flinch. He didn't go to fear. He went to power. And he kept prophesying the messages, kept giving the tithe message, kept praying for people, kept believing. Miracles broke out. We labeled that church just a few years ago the House of Transformation because so many people come in and get their hearts transformed. We're not intimidated by addiction. We're not intimidated by where anybody's at anywhere in San Diego. And that's why the church is exploding in San Diego. And then God sent this church. And that same favor, that same blessing, that same power, that same anointing is now a light post in Salt Lake City. And you're going to see a fire from heaven surround this city. You're surrounded by mountains. And I want you to believe today, church, that what God's done in San Diego, what he's done in Australia, what he's done with C3s around the nation, he's doing right here in Salt Lake City. Because God loves this city, and he wants to redeem the lost. He wants to change the statistics. It doesn't matter what people are walking through, but it does matter that we love them. It's an easy message, the gospel. Love God, love people. Thanks for listening. To find out more about our pastors, team, and what we do at C3 Salt Lake City, go to C3SaltLakeCity.com.